Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. So with the new year comes big changes. And I am so used to this big energy shift that happens this time of year as everyone thinks about the goals they want to reach, the person they want to be, the people they want to connect with. Usually I can draw a little bit of energy from this time of year. Shockingly, I have found that the crap that I was feeling at the end of last year is still here. And that stuff is exhaustion and disconnect and weariness. I'm just wondering how you're feeling. I'm feeling a little bit of the same. I'm feeling a little bit of loneliness, a little bit of sadness, loss, maybe some grief, and this lack of energy, lack of, I don't want to say motivation, but just, yeah, depletion. Depletion's a good word for it. I really, that resonates for me. And it's something I've been feeling for a few weeks now, only with the holidays, you just get so caught up in all of the doing stuff that it's Mm. easy to lean into busy and avoid icky emotions. And so one of the first steps I'm really taking here is to be with, just ask myself, what's here now for me? And that's where I found this depletion, this disconnect, this loneliness that definitely resonates as well. And so the first step for me has really been to be with disconnect, be with loneliness and try to be curious about what messages they're trying to give me right now. You bring up a really important point and I talk a lot to my clients, but I also talk to myself about this, which is allowing ourselves to actually sit with ourselves and to really listen to the feelings and the messages that they're trying to give us. For example, to sit with the feeling of sadness, not try to do something to make it go away, but just be aware that there you are. Hello, sadness. Greet it like you would a friend and just say, what's up? And having that connection with self where, you know, I found out that some of my sadness was coming from missed traditions, right? So for example, my mom has passed and she's no longer with us. And Christmas Eve was her big holiday. It was her mom's big holiday. And so I was hosting Christmas Eve this year and my mom's birthday was also in December. So she made it a point of her birthday gift. She would always get something for the table to make the table absolutely magical. And so she has these beautiful dishes that I now have, but the problem is they have to be hand washed. So I made the decision, you know, I might not use those dishes because who wants to hand wash dishes? 25 of them at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And that's, I think, when the sadness creeped in. But like you said, I was so focused on the doing that I didn't realize if I had just allowed myself to recognize and greet sadness and go, ooh, hello, sadness, I might have made a different choice. I might have actually said, it's not about doing 25 dishes. It's about honoring that particular tradition because it brings back happy memories more than the memory of grief and loss. Yeah, absolutely. And what you've just touched on here 
is when you said, if I just let myself, this is what I'm feeling in my own way is that disconnect to self. So when I said earlier that I'm feeling this untethered detachment, it's coming from two directions. It's coming from my external world and it's coming from my internal world. And I feel that the more detached we are with our sense of self, the easier it is for that exact type of situation to play out because the detachment is a breeding ground for focusing on doing and busyness. Whereas if we're really connected to ourselves, it's so much harder to ignore those emotions. As my clients are speaking about this, my husband and I have these conversations. I've been doing some exploration with tools in deepening that connection to self. And a big part of creating that connection when I'm feeling so depleted and exhausted has been to really explore my internal resources and understand what I have inside of me to support myself when I feel so unsupported. And this came up in my own coaching session with my coach. We had a great discussion about how I have this deep knowledge of so many of my internal strengths and resources. We've talked many times in this podcast on values and purpose and strengths and coming to life from that place. But when I feel really depleted, it's actually quite difficult to tap into that space because I'm just in kind of almost survival mode, just trying to heave myself through some of these days. So what I've been exploring is what I called my emergency responder team. So I know my team when I'm in fair weather. I know the people and the resources I can tap into when I'm really hitting my stride. But then there's my emergency responder team. And they're the ones that I'm learning to name and send in when I am in this place of depletion, when I am in this place of exhaustion and loneliness, because they're my nurturers. They're not the ones that are pushing me harder to go further. And there's a place for those resources. Rather, they're the ones that are accepting me where I am and just helping to build me to a place where I feel connected to myself and able to move forward from a place of readiness and steadiness. So a huge reflection question has been for me, who is in that emergency responder team inside of me? Who is my team that I like to deploy when I'm in distress? And it's been a really fun exercise to reflect on, I'm going to admit. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, you're talking in counseling world, this premise called internal family systems, that we have many different parts of us that we can tap into. But like you said, sometimes we don't know. We haven't done that kind of identification. And so a change will happen. And we go to the fair weather team. And we're like, it's not cutting it. It's not giving us the results that we are used to getting with the fair weather team. We're in a storm or we're not even in the boat to experience the fair weather. We're out of the boat. How do we get back in the boat? Like you said, there is certain things that you're going to tap into for survival. And there's certain things that you're going to tap into maybe in addition to for thriving. I love this distinction between the ones that help us thrive and the ones that help us survive. And there's always a relationship between the two of them. They can build a bridge from one to the other, Mm -hmm. obviously. But what's so amazing about internal resources, and this is why I wish we spent so much more time on them than we do, than we're conditioned to, because they are infinite. Mm -hmm. You get to have as many people as you want in your emergency Mm -hmm. responder team. And this is what Mm -hmm. my coach said to me. She said, Madeline, I don't care if you need three people. Send 15. You're allowed. You're allowed to send 15 emergency responders down to yourself at the bottom of the canyon that is exhaustion and help get you out. 
even if you don't use all of them, they're there for you. You get to ask them and they say yes every time. And that is such a powerful notion. Often when I feel unsupported and detached and lonely, there's also this like fear that lives there. And sometimes I carry that fear into my internal world. So just reminding myself that my internal resources are always going to say yes to me. Yes. If I say, can I? They say yes. If I say, would you? They say yes. And that is such a powerful knowing. It really is. It reminds me also, again, of the role that emotions play. You at the bottom of the canyon, you mentioned the emotion fear, right? But also anxiety. When we only bring three resources to the bottom of the canyon, anxiety, of course, is going to go, hey, Madeline, you might need more. But we think anxiety is working against us. Not only do we have unlimited values or strengths that we can bring with us and have on our team, but we also have unlimited emotions. They all are trying to be helpful. None of them are trying to be harmful. Absolutely true. They're just trying to give us information and help us piece puzzles together. And what's coming to mind with this language of unlimited is the word abundance. Admittedly, I'm at a point of exhaustion that I have not experienced before. And with that tends to come a scarcity mindset thinking that my resources are limited. And the reality is that sometimes our external resources are limited. But when I want to reach past fear and toward one of my other many emotions, many being states, or toward some of my resources and my values and my people, my internal people, I need to shift to abundance mindset. And if we're focused on our external world, it's really hard to focus on abundance because then we kind of get to a place where we're like, yeah, okay, it's great to think that everything is abundant, but I'm still staring at my bank account or I'm still looking at how much time I have. The reality is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. to shift to that abundance mindset, it's so much more important to go internal first because by going to the place where it is, in fact, infinite, and abundant, I get to create the situation I need and want to create for myself from that place of abundance. And then I get to carry those beliefs and that mindset to my external world, to my reality, and marry it from there. And that energy that builds from going internal first is always going to be more powerful than feeling like you're solving an unsolvable puzzle because you're starting with external, which is notorious for being the thing we can't control the most. Yes, you're right. Tend to your garden first because you can, you have a hundred percent control of your garden. You have limited control, like you said, finances, people's time, or just time in general, externally, someone else's garden. So it really is helpful to look at that reality from an abundance. I have all these resources I'm, or all these vegetables from my garden. I'm not going to need them all as opposed to going, oh, shoot, I want to make a salad and I got, I don't have any tomatoes. And that makes us feel detached or as you said, the scarcity. Yeah. This metaphor, this garden metaphor and the salad metaphor, mm-hmm. I love because it brings me to another point, which is that you can have everything you need in your garden and still say, oh, my friend Amy, she has the best tomatoes. 
I know mm-hmm. I have tomatoes, but hers just have this sweetness to it. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to go ask her if she'll give me some tomatoes for my salad. Mm-hmm. But you're not coming from a place of I'm doing it because I don't have because I'm yes. filling an empty hole. Mm-hmm. You're doing it because of a value add. Because hers are the thing you intentionally want. It's not just about picking up what's in front of you. It's saying, I know I can take care of myself. I know that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. But I want to use this as an opportunity to connect and to Mm -hmm. celebrate this other person for what they can offer me and to bring that energy into my life. And then maybe also see if she wants some of my lettuce. I know we're going far with this metaphor, Mm -hmm. but I think it just really paints the picture of how when we start with our own garden, when we tend to our own resources first, we're not entering the external scene from a place of zero. We're entering it from abundance, which means that you can start your own little barter system. I have this extra resource. I'm going to go see if I can give that to someone else. And then maybe they'll have a resource or I already know they do. And I'm going to see if they might give that to me. And you start to create connection because what I'm describing here is essentially the foundations of a community. I have this. You need this. You have that. I need that. And so the chain builds and we create all of these different ports at which we can meet people and share in our abundance. The other thing it's bringing to mind with this metaphor, and we love a good metaphor, right? So you're welcome. And what it brings to mind is what I bumped into is when I identified internally what was not necessarily missing, like you were saying, but it gave me permission to look externally and to go to my Amy and say, yeah, my tomatoes are good, but hers are better. And therefore... I know what I need. And so I'm going to ask Amy to help me because sometimes I have a really hard time asking for help. And it's mainly because I haven't identified what I need. I'm looking externally for all these people to guess. And then I'm feeling frustrated or more lonely or more disconnected or whatever. But now if I go in, I can say, hey, Amy, I have a way that you could make my salad even better by including your tomatoes, would you like to help me make my salad even better? Nine times out of 10, Amy's going to go, yes, I can do that. And actually, you know what, Cynthia, your lettuce will make my salad even better. And then we get into this space of vulnerability, because even if I'm pretty sure, I know from my perspective that Amy's tomatoes are really good. I'm not sure about Amy's response. I'm taking a chance that she's not going to answer my call of help. Two things are coming up for me while you're talking about this. One of them is in this idea of vulnerability, giving ourselves permission to also signal to people before we know our own needs that we Mm. do have them. And this is something I'm trying to practice right now is to say to the people in my life, that I might already have some trust and vulnerability with, but I want to strengthen that bond and some people in my life who I don't have that vulnerability with, but I want to create an opportunity for it. And I've just practiced saying, I need support right now. I don't know with what yet. I just need you to know that I'm in a space where I need a little more support. I'm not asking them to do anything. It's just mostly a signal of I am in need just FYI. The other thing that's really amazing about this metaphor, as funny as it sounds, is that 
When we talk about going to our friend Amy because her tomatoes are better and asking if she wants to help, what you're talking about is reaching out for support from a place of strengths exchange rather than reaching out for support from a place of suffering. I think that this is such a powerful concept because so often we reach out to people and we say, I'm really struggling. Here's all of this heaviness and here's some grief and some sadness and some fear. And will you hold it for me? Can I put these pesticides in your garden? And some people can handle it. They're great gardeners Mm -hmm. and they're like, you know what, if that's what you need, cool. And there's definitely a time and a place for someone else helping you out with some of the burden. When we approach someone because we say, I'm feeling fear, grief, sadness, disconnect, loneliness, and you have a way of making my life feel brighter we just spend some time together? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that is such an easier yes for another person Mm -hmm. to want to come in and help you. When you say, I identify this beautiful strength within you and make it explicit. Because usually when we're reaching out for support, emotional support from other people, that is why we're doing it because we know Mm -hmm. that person can hold space for us. But we don't tell them that. We just say, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing well. Can you help me? And they're like, ah, okay, sure. And then they go up in a place of fear of, I don't know how to help this person. I don't know what to do. Am I going to make it worse? And then it it becomes a stressful situation versus saying, you don't need to identify how you can help me. I'm going to tell you how you can help me. And then you get to decide whether or not you're willing to offer me that thing. One of the things that's really helpful, and especially when it comes to people, is to kind of have an understanding, like you said, of what type of a, let's use the word energy, what type of energy do they give to you Mm -hmm. on a regular basis or have given to you, right? And I was listening to this podcast and this person, his name is Richard Foster. He identified people in five categories and he called the first one, the VRP, very resourceful people. These are people that ignite your passion, right? Like Like you, mom. Right? (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) That brighten your day. The next one are VIPs, very important people, and they share your passion like you do, Madeline. The next people are VTPs, very trainable people. You ignite their passion. And so that's a really great distinction because they're very trainable people, but maybe not the one that I'm going to reach out to to hold space for me because like you said, they just don't know how to do that without me leading them all along the way. And that might not be what I need at the moment. Then there's VNP, very nice people. And they sort of are in your life, but they don't really have what you might need in your life. And then there's VD people, right? VDP, right? Very draining people. And they drain our passion. Probably not intentionally, but maybe it's just because we don't share enough of the core ways of being with them. So it's just incompatibility. So it really is important for us to be discerning about recognizing the types of resources that are available to us and sometimes just categorizing them for ourselves. But then with some people who are your VRPs, like you were saying, let them know. It's really true. And I think one of the other things about doing the self-identification process is that you also have the opportunity to find some gaps and then to see if there's a place someone could be shifted to. You know, maybe some of our VIPs could be VRPs, meaning the important people where we share in that purpose and passion Mm -hmm. could be moved to VRPs where they spark if 
you let them. If you were, if you took that vulnerability one step further, if you took a little bit of a risk and said, could you help me with something? Mm -hmm. So this all just comes back to, I think, quite full circle, slowing down and taking stock, taking Mm -hmm. stock of your external resources, taking stock of your internal resources, asking yourself what opportunities you need to have in order to reflect. And this brings me to a really important point that I've come to, which is that week-long break that you're waiting out for where the world stops and you finally have time to relax and experience reflection in a deep and meaningful way is never going to come. That's just not how the world works. And I found this for myself is I keep telling myself, oh, I just need this to stop. And I just need to take that vacation or I just need to check myself into a hotel. And then there's always 110 reasons why that doesn't happen or something else more important comes up to me. So that's why you need to just find a way to build it into your current world, because we constantly expect that we're going to get to these places in time and in space where suddenly we can reflect and then we'll be all set for three months rather than trying to build these practices into our day to day, into our daily lives. I mean, I'm going to challenge you a little bit because I tend to go when I hear the word never and always. Right. I know there's, there's such absolutes, but I understand what you're saying. I think maybe another way to look at it is and how about if we build in these little pockets of checking in with ourselves, right? And we also find a way to maybe build in a longer period, maybe like a retreat where we dedicate some substantial time. Yeah, I value the pushback because I think it also allows for clarity, which is that when I'm saying this, what I mean more is don't wait. Don't wait wait for the perfect moment. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, and you know, I love and I've literally got it tattooed on my body twice. Yes, you do. And you're so right. But I think what breaks my heart when I watch it in myself and when I see it in others is that we force ourselves to wait. We put it off. We prioritize other things over ourselves constantly. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a very natural segue to talk about something that we're developing for the new year. I actually did not plan this, but I'm going to slot it in, which is that no me, me and my mom are developing at home retreats. And there'll be more information on that shortly on our website. So keep an eye on nomi.coach, where, of course, you can find information on the podcast and also on our other services. If it interests you to participate in a retreat, but you're finding yourself in a position where you can't take a week off or fly to some random country with a tropical climate to get into that place of Zen, we have constructed and are working to build these amazing retreat at home experiences to help give you that rest, relaxation, and deepening relationship with self all in the comfort of your own home. So if that interests you, you can register your email on our website and be the first to know because slots will be limited. And we are really excited because as we talk about this subject, connection to self and connection to others, we believe that not only with this podcast, but also with these at-home retreats, we're going to be able to facilitate and help in that. So I feel like that's actually a really nice place to settle. And we obviously spoke about a lot in this episode about being with our emotions, really being curious about what they have to bring to the table. We also talked about exploring our internal resources and shifting into that abundance mindset so that when we do reach out to external support systems and we do start to engage with our external world in trying to create that connection, we do it from a place of strengths and abundance rather than a place of suffering and give other people the opportunity to hear from us why we find value in that connection with them, which is a really powerful thing. 
blatantly telling people why they're special to you. Those words of affirmation. And aside from just making you really hungry for a salad, the main point that we definitely wanted to drive here as well is this concept of vulnerability. Vulnerability with ourselves, which is being curious and creating that opportunity to ask what's really going on here. Give yourself permission to be where you're at and to accept those emotions and to open that door to curiosity and vulnerability with others in putting ourselves out there and creating opportunities to connect. So without further ado, we have to end with the most critical part of the podcast experience. Mom, do you have a quote for us? I don't know if it's the most critical part, but yes, I do have a quote. It's my most favorite part. So there you go. Uh, this is a quote by Eckhart Tolle. Accept then act. Whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you had chosen it. Always work with it, not against it. This will miraculously transform your whole life. You always bring the best little nuggets of wisdom, Mom. Thank you. I try. We do wish you a wonderful year. If there's anything that either of us can do in order to support you to make it your best year yet, you know where to find us. And until next time, be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back next time for more helpful conversations. You can get in touch to work with us one-on-one -on -one or request a topic at any time by emailing us at podcast at Until then, this is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.